Well, I think we can get started. Are we getting started? I think so. All right. Well, then here it is. Back again, baby. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Back again, guys. How you yes. doing? Oh, I'm good. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anything new. Like looked out in into life. the like <laughs> atmosphere to like see <laughs> where the good was. I want to be where the art people are. Oh, yeah. How was your day? Good. Yeah. Work was good. Work was How good. How was your day? My you day, day was. Off, right? I had the day off. I studied a little bit for um, test that I got from a job and. Don't you love restaurant yeah. tests? Aren't they I such know. a fucking joke? They're such a fucking joke. Like yeah, why? Like, like I don't care about your menu. And you know I'm gonna forget it as soon as I'm done with this test, right? Like, I actually uh, remember a lot of shit. After no, I, I took all my. I tests. don't. I I look, I'm one. Of, I'm like that test taker where I'm just like. It leaves you. I I cram it all in, as she said, um, for the moment, and then when I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> so. Yeah. So she said. Hey, guess what? Chicken butt. I'm 30. Ah, old man. I am an old man now. Um, I know we had a nice celebration. This is like day two of. How does it feel? It, you know, it doesn't feel that much different. I did wake up with like a little bit of like pain. <laughs> <laughs> the next day. Your body's um, like, you're 30 now. Got to take yeah. it easy. Also, um, I had to get in an argument yesterday over being charged for a hotel that I not that I did not spend the night at. Um, they are still trying to charge you for. No, a they gave me the money back, but like it was a process. It was. Oh, well, man. you're the one who went to the the wrong hotel. Oh, right? yeah, I did go to the wrong hotel. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you made a reservation. I went to the right one. I went to the wrong one originally, and then I was like, oh, we made it for this place. And then I went to the right one, and they were like, um, I don't see a reservation. And I was like, they were like, do you have an itinerary number? And I was like, because I made it through Expedia. Mm. I made it online. Granted, um, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and I am intoxicated. Oh, but you're responsible. But you're I'm responsible, yeah. And I'm like. And I'm like, uh, so you don't have my reservation? They're like, no, I don't see it. And I'm, okay, cool. Well, do you have room? He's like, um, I don't think so. Uh, I may not have room. And I was like, well, if it's not there, just say no. Can I just, like, if it shows up, just cancel it? And he was like, I mean, it's not here. I was like, am I gonna be charged then? And he was like, no. So I was like. Okay, well, I'm going to go back to the other hotel. They actually had a room. <laughs> wow. But anyway, I wake up or I check my 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 statements because I was like, did I spend money last night? I, I had no idea. And I look and I see I have got a charge pending for the hotel that I actually stayed at. And then another charge that actually happened for this hotel that I did not stay at because they said they did not have my reservation. Well, it just said Expedia. I was like, well, I didn't book the other hotel through Expedia. I just went in and mm-hmm. made the rest and right. booked it right there. And I was like, cool. So I call Expedia and I'm like, hey, I didn't stay at this hotel. I want money back. I told him the story. I told you guys. She's like, oh, I I understand. Let me call them. And it was kind of hard. She had an accent and it was kind of hard to understand what she was saying. 
uh, initially, because she, she said she had to call the hotel. I was like, okay, just to verify the story or whatever. And I was like, all right. Or she like comes back on the line and is like, hey, so the owner is saying that you never showed up. What? Um, because apparently, yeah, if you don't like show up and like. But they can they can charge they you, you yeah because we do charge and like not cancel well yeah of course and that should be a thing and that's I mean, you can't yeah book their you know they'll lose money because they don't have a room right so I was like mm, no that's not what happened I so apparently Expedia needs the approval of the hotel in order to give you the refund which I was like well if they're not giving it to me like why can't Expedia just give me my fucking money back like I well, because the money through. is through the money is at the hotel now. I don't care. Oh, I I didn't care well, at Expedia's this point. Expedia's not getting its money either, I, right? And I'm like, Expedia's—they've got some money. I don't know how they're able to be in business. <laughs> I'm well, just like, yes. I don't care who pays me. I didn't stay at this hotel. I want my money back. Wow. So she's like, the only way to get it, you need to call them, and they ha- get them to approve it. And I was like, so I have to do the work. So I call them and I'm like, hey, I spoke with Expedia. They said, whatever. So he was like, you didn't show up. First, he's saying that I didn't show up. He was like, I was the manager on duty or whatever. I was like, I did. I literally was like, I had a, a, like, I spoke with you or somebody. (laughs) They said that you didn't have a room (laughs) and that you didn't see my reservation and that you would cancel it. And he was like, no, what you... And it was, again, he also had an accent, and I could not understand a lot. It took me a minute to understand. But essentially, he wanted me to... I was supposed to be able to, even though the reservation wasn't there, I was supposed to book the room right on the spot, just without a reservation. But you... Like, as a walk-in. And then wait the next morning pay the full price and then get my money back that way that and i was like make any sense i was like so i would have had to pay twice just that he was like if you want the refund show them a receipt and i was like but you guys say you didn't have a room so why the fuck would i do that and he was like no you have to always have receipt i was like if you come here i was like what you want me to come there he's like no i was like sir <laughs> and like at this point i'm just i'm tired like I wanted to go to sleep because I just got done. Doing a show. I did my show that night as well, or that afternoon, um, the next day, and I still haven't like gone home and like slept. So like. Oh my god. You're I'm dead. like, yeah. Here's what's gonna happen. I'm going to call Expedia. <laughs> They're oh gonna wow. call you, and you're gonna say approve my refund, because what you're doing is stealing from me. Now, if it was you that I spoke to. You guys told me that you would cancel it if it showed up because you did not have a room. So for you, it's like if I have to come, if I have to take time my week to come down there, it's going to be a problem. I had, I don't know what I just kept saying that. And he was like, listen, sir, listen, sir, I have no problem. I have no problem. And then I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I'm like, so this is what's going to happen. I'm going to call shit. Expedia. He's like, is my he's like, it's a, I say yes or no. I say yes or no. And I'm like. Sir, you are stealing from me. You are a thief. It is wrong. You said that? 
And he's like, look, 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 listen, listen to me, sir. Listen to me. And I'm like, I'm listening. <laughs> okay. It's my decision, yes or no. I need 15, 20 minutes to think about it. What? I was like, what is there to think about? Because if I say no, or if I say yes, it's my decision. It's always hotel decision. It's like, so if you come down, we, ha we, we I, I don't care, no problem. If you call police, I don't care, no problem. It's always hotel decision. Give me 15, 20 minutes, please, to think about it. I said, I don't know what I'm giving you 15, 20 minutes for, but when I call back, <laughs> I need you to say yes. Okay, okay, I'll think about it. Wow. So I like exactly 15 minutes, and I call back, and he's like, okay, for me, you're not supposed to. If you have to, he's trying to tell this whole thing of buying. He's like, keep saying that. And he's like, but I will do this one time for you. Okay. So Expedia, they call. I say yes. And I was like, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. I'm going to call them now. And I hate that I had to be like, you know, I was trying not to like raise my voice. That would piss me off, too, because yeah. he's basically calling you a liar. Like he's calling me a liar. Saying that you never showed that up. That I never showed up. He said he waited for when me. When it was their fault. When it was, I mean, I don't know what it was. I bet what happened is because that you, it they probably just got delayed or hadn't exactly, received it. Hadn't but he also said that he did not have a room. So it was like, so what am I going to wait around here for if you don't even have right. a room for me? Go ahead and cancel it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then I went to bed. <laughs> very tired after that it was yeah, exhausting like it was a lot. <laughs> you know um then i had to call expedia back and then go through the whole process because it's not like you can just talk like talk to the same person you're just talking yeah to. talk to the same person Ugh. or it takes like there's a whole process like you got to press like press five to go here press six to go here press seven and then you press the seven then it's like if you want this 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 press nine if you want this press one and then you press that and they're like if you want this, 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 I'm like, can we just like have one button that's like, I want a refund. <laughs> Straight to the refund. Um, but yeah. Um, Damn. That was that was my my Sunday after after a pretty fun night, I guess. So, yeah. I felt very uh, thirty. You know, it was kind of like in my head. I was like thirty, flirty, and damn. No, I was like. God damn it, I'm 30. <laughs> I should have to put up with this shit. I'm too old for this shit. I think there was a a, a boldness that I had never felt before, you know. Uh, you know, it was almost like I I knew what it felt like to be an uh, an, an irate um middle-aged white woman, you know. My oh, Sharon came out. My Sharon came out hard. Like when Kathy takes over yeah. in my body, it's just like you hoes better watch out. I was like Sharon Sharon is not happy. Oh, hell know? no. Sharon, oh what she say? She wants to see the manager, and then the manager's manager, and then the manager of the manager's manager, and then his mom. The problem is, I was talking with the person that owned the hotel, so it was. You can always go higher. Yeah. You could write I want to know Donald the person. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a true Cheryl, you know that you'll you pull <laughs> that card I'll pull at that some card. point. Am I gonna have to call ice on someone? <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> That is horrible. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. That made my life. Uh, yeah. That was that's that's what Sharon would have done. So I didn't go full Sharon. But so you're telling this awesome story about 
your hotel experience, but I feel like you have another story that's a lot more cool that people might want to hear. Oh, my gosh. And I can't believe you I haven't told totally it yet. I totally forgot. So, yeah. Um, and this Bailey was super jealous about this. Because uh, um, I, I was there. You didn't I even know. share this experience I just with kinda me. F- I literally just kind of forgot. You could have. Uh, I hate you so Isn't much. that funny? I was that's how drunk I was. That's I how was drunk I was. So I saw John Hamm. Uh, the John Hamm. At the club the other, on the night of my birthday at the, the bar. Shit faced. Um, and my, uh, one of my friends' friends, we were all at the bar together, and he like looks over, and he's with some girl, and she, he's like, hey, is that John Hamm? And she just like stops, and she's like, no. But then he turns around, and. I'm drunk, but I'm not that drunk at that point. <laughs> right. Like, I'm looking at him. I'm like, that's fucking John Hamm. Oh, the, and he's, like, wasted. And we're singing Hey Ya and... You better be making this story up. I'm not making Ugh. the story up. Like, I and was, yeah. I was so close. It would have taken Cause, you, you know, two it's one seconds of those things to be where like, hey, guys, John Hamm is over there. Come dance with us. People that are, like, attractive on TV, like... For some of them, camera doesn't do them justice. You know, like you look and they've got like movie star quality. Like even in his drunken, sweaty stupor, I he still had like movie star quality. That's like great. There, like but I was 10 feet away and you could have you could have shared this moment with me. Look, hey, if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. I was so, so close. She just wanted to rubber titties against John Hamm for like two seconds. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> just... I'm not, gonna I'm not even going to deny it. I'm not even going to deny it. It'd been like one of those like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm sir. So I've got to get through. Excuse oh, me. oh, my God. Oh, oh wow. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I w- do we have a connection? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but we had a moment. Um, we're pretty cool now. Um, we're probably going to hit up each other like later this week. Um, we didn't really exchange contact information, but he said his people talk to my people. And, you, know. you guys sang Hey Ya together. Yeah, we sang Hey Ya sang hey together with John Hamm. And the, uh, Did he shake it like a Polaroid picture? No, he didn't. We were we were on the part where it was. Uh, uh, then what makes what makes? <laughs> and we just literally kept saying <laughs> that back and, and forth. And you left him at what point? Did you just decide? Like, did he leave? Oh well, because I was to also leave? going to pick up my friend Amari um, from the front door. So, but we stopped at the bar because um, my other friend uh, Josh out of Josh Tarpoff for an uh, excellent night and getting me in the club for free. Yeah, um, it was and all the night. shots. It was super and fun. Thank you, Josh Tarpoff. But, yeah. And uh, thank you to everyone that came out, supported. and uh, Yeah, happy birthday, James. Said happy birthday. Oh, I didn't even tell any of my castmates. I just kind of like, that's still like, it was just kind of like a moment. I would have gotten a tattoo on my forehead. I met John Hamm I once. met John Hamm <laughs> once. So, yeah. You should Actually, tweet him. Actually, I, I saw you him. You should as tweet him. I'm surprised you guys didn't see him. Twitter. I saw him as we were leaving. He was like over there, like. By the door. So there was like, a second time was, in which I, mean, I was I around and you didn't yeah, I just you didn't him. mention it. I cannot like, believe we're friends. I feel so betrayed. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm so incredibly betrayed First by you. First of all, right now. I didn't know you were like a big ass John Hamm fan. So clearly we're not that close of friends. I'm not I don't know that, that big of a fan, but to know that he was like he's uh, he's one of those men that's just really hot and it doesn't matter if you're a fan or not. You want to you want to experience that like just once <sighs> Man, in your life. She's showing that she's a groupie. <laughs> Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I'm, pr- you know, I am who I am. You <laughs> am who I am. I am who, who I, I am. am for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, I that was cool. Twice. 
So I mean, th- the second time I saw him, he was like at a distance. Yeah, but like you could have at least been like, like, "Hey, oh, Bailey, yep, John there's Hamm. John Ham." Yeah, you know what? I'm so sorry, Bailey. Thank you. That's all I needed. I'm so I just sorry. Needed an apology. Yeah. I just wanted you to know how much you the hurt next me in time, that the next time that I see anyone even I remotely you were close only to say John, John Ham, and be like, "No, this has got to be anyone." No, remotely close to John Ham, <laughs> just John Ham. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, "Hey, Bailey, I don't know if this is John Ham. This might not be." <laughs> But <laughs> or any celebrity, he's or an aisle six. Celebrity. <laughs> any celebrity, any celebrity. If I'm less than a mile away from someone and you're in front of them, you, I would hope you, I would contact you if I was. Come on, what do you want me to do? I'm sorry, it's my birthday. Come on. I mean, I, I was I accept thirty. Your apology. I, I do, I do. I'm just, I. It's just gonna take a little while for this wound to heal. That's all. Well, <laughs> heal soon. <laughs> my thoughts and prayers. That was tasteless. I don't know if that was a good or bad joke. We might edit that one out, too. Anyway, I will seek my revenge in due time. For what? All right. (laughs) 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 This wound Uh, will never heal. Wound will never, ever heal. Um, You also had a fun night that night as well. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> never, she doesn't want to talk about it. Don't want to press it. My mom it. listens to this podcast. Uh, okay. I don't want to scare her. Okay, then we'll we'll leave it out. Um, just know that uh, it did not go the way I planned. And but Bailey's okay. But <laughs> she's safe. Um, no oh harm was done. I'm gonna get like three phone calls after this. And uh, yeah, she doesn't have a record still <laughs> to this day. To this day. I don't believe in God, but God is on my side. Yeah, she doesn't believe he in God, but me. he watches over her. I almost did after the other beautiful. night. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> um, what are we getting into? Oh, well, I know people might be tired of this subject, but we will never tire of it. I'm never subject. tired of it. No. <laughs> no, I'm well, not. Well, the other night, James was like, hey, I watched this Bigfoot documentary, and you should watch it. Mm. I don't know the name of it. Oh, I did find out the name and of it. And I was it. like, oh, well, um, let me just go watch it now. It's very interesting. It's called uh, On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Legend. And I also found another the one. The Legend. Um, which was called, oh, damn, what's it called? Ah, shit. Well, I don't remember. It's the called Ah, Shit. No, nah, it's not called Ah, Shit, but. Ah, Shit, oh, it's, it's called Bigfoot. It's called Sasquatch Odyssey, The Hunt for Bigfoot. Both very, names. very, very good documentaries um, taken from a very, like, you know, it's just like kind of people from the outside looking in type deal. Um, so not the crazies. Yeah, none of the, the crazies. They talk about the crazies and the spectrums and all that stuff. But Where's Tom standing on the crazy scale? Um, according to some, like, I do follow his Instagram. Um, Same. It is a little <laughs> weird, <laughs> just because he's shirtless a lot and yeah, <laughs> no, he's, I he's guess dating dedicated. some hot some hot chick or something. Um, but I think you know he's a yeah he's a dedicated individual. How about um, the BFRO? Well, the BFR was actually um, founded by like you know scientific researchers and you know, um, and they're just all about documenting people's sightings. Like just so that it's like logged, so 
and then they have like class rankings of like whether it's you know A class, B class, or C class. A obviously being the most like credible, credible, and then B they still consider that, and C is kind of like eh, you know we'll take this for what and it ha- is. We'll, we'll, ri- we'll yeah. say it ha- we'll write we'll, it. We'll down. write it down. We'll write it down for we'll the write record. Write it down if only um, to make you feel better. Um, but yeah, um, we're talking about Bigfoot. This is this is why we started this podcast in the pr- first place. So. I don't know why we would have a problem talking about Bigfoot as much as we talk about <laughs> the big feats. I don't. I wasn't saying there was a problem. Well, you look at me with those judgy eyes, and I just. I'm just still hurt. That's all. I'm. Uh, I'm taking my my John Ham energy look, with me everywhere I go. I now. will find out John Ham's contact info. No, it's not. I will no, no, no. It's send a, it's an email just, to his reps, and it's I'll be like, Hey, I don't, I it was my birthday. <laughs> August 10th. He may not remember, but we had a moment. And no, it's, my I don't, friend I don't is really, <laughs> really upset that I didn't let her know that we had a moment. So while if you could just, yeah, while she was also in the vicinity. Um, it's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll stop talking about it now. It's if, okay. If you would like to just let her rub her titties, <laughs> would be. That's not specifically what I need to do. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, and then she'll leave me alone. I just want to point out that you have brought the titties into the equation. I didn't okay, say fine. anything if about she my titties. I just said I wanted to grind up on them. That's you all. You said that you would not be opposed to it. Of course I wouldn't be opposed. Am I a woman? Am I, am I a person with eyes? Am I, I don't know. you know? You would have ground your titties on him if he gave you the nah. opportunity. Now, if it was Anderson Cooper. That's true. That man's like, the, like he's. But you ask first with Anderson Cooper. May I? <laughs> Kind oh God sweet, of yeah, man. God of journalism, you <laughs> <laughs> sweet, um, yeah. But anyway, uh, so we're talking Bigfoot. Yeah, we're talking get Bigfoot today. Love it. Um, get it. Love it. Love it. Um, I'm gonna let you go first because I got a lot. Um, oh, I get to go first. Yeah, you get to go first. Um, what do you got okay. to talk about? What do you have to the table? Also, why do you get to decide? Like, um, you're just, like I just decided just now. <laughs> I've never been a decider. I always ask, but today. That's not even kind of true. What are you talking about? Last time, it was all like, you should go first. And then you started talking about your subject. Oh. Well, this time I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're a liar. Anyway, I all, just want to bring in a little bit of the Yeti. I don't like being called a liar. You can ask the Indian man that, that tried to fight me about paying for. Okay. If I have to come down there, oh it's going to be a problem. I can't. I literally kept saying that over and over again. I had no. I had no intentions of ever coming back down there, <laughs> or Holy even if shit. I came down there, there really wouldn't. I've just been like waving my finger at the window. You know how many times my mom said that to me, like as she heard me and my sister fighting. If I have to get over there, yeah, it's gonna be a problem. I think it, but it worked though because I got my money back. Well, I think if you give something, give someone someone something to dread. Yeah. You know. Like, do you really want a problem? I don't know. This is Georgia. He's probably got a gun. Got to protect himself. It's a hotel. People probably try to rob him all the time. (laughs) Anyway. Continue. We got off subject. Well, I just wanted to bring up the Yeti a little bit because we haven't talked about the Yeti like really at all. And it's a part of the Bigfoot family in the spectrum. It was kind of the first. The OG. Like the OG of. The abominable, sm- ooh, the Im- abo- I can't say right now. Abominable. Abominable snowman. Snowman. 
um, yeah, it really is like the first of like people were looking for that guy before they were even talking about looking for what we call Bigfoot. Um, so yeah, sure. yeah. Had you ever looked up anything about Yeti before, or was that like? Um, I just watched a couple of documentaries, and I, I knew he stuff here and there. I just wanted to get more my story straight, of more about it. I'm waiting for my page to load. That's why right. I'm taking forever. Because I didn't know I was going for it first. If I'd known I was going first, I could have had. Did you ever loaded. watch the like the documentaries that always came on like Nat Geo? And, oh, like, totes. That's exactly what I watched. That, um, the one where they're like, they're like, we've got this hand, take it or the scalp. Or like taken from the Tibetan monks, and we're gonna test yeah, science, yeah, new yeah. science. And then it's like, I think one time it was like inconclusive, but then I think I saw another one where it was like, this is like an oxus. <laughs> uh, well, I do actually have some information about stuff that they've tested before. Yeah. So the yeti, yeah, like you, s- you were saying, like he goes back way further than Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, he's in. Ancient Tibetan culture, or just cultures around the Himalayas, like there's all there's you know talk of this big man, ape man, yeah. who walks around. He's not he's not described as big as Bigfoot usually. Um, which oh really? Yeah, a lot I'm of them say he's that. like six foot and under usually. There's though there are a couple of like British explorers that are like he was eight feet tall, but you know how they exaggerate those explorers. Fucking explorers, you know. But my initial thought when I'm hearing of it about how they describe them, I almost wonder if it's just like they're seeing Himalayan people just covered in furs hiking around the mountain. Well, it's like, why would they be up that high? Normally, why isn't not? It, it's like them in like remote places that they're exploring, you know what I mean? I guess so. it's true. But speaking of ancient, ancient shit, apparently in 326 BC, according to Nat Geo, Alexander the Great demanded to see a Yeti when he conquered the Indu Valley. He demanded to see one? Yeah, he was, like, really about it. But the local people were like, no, because apparently Yetis can't really survive at a low altitude. Mm. Which, I mean, is just very convenient. Oh, yeah, they won't. he won't survive. Not even worth it. He'll just die. But at that point, wouldn't you be like, I don't care? Can't produce it, yeah. Give me the pelt of the Yeti, but also they're probably terrified. Like, you want us to go climb that mountain and get a freaking Yeti? Are you kidding? How do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, how do you catch one? Like, no one caught one prior to that, right? I don't know. How do you? So, they've been around for a minute, if Alexander the Great's talking about it. Yeah, exactly. And there's the pre Buddhist beliefs, um, uh, and like the Lepcha people worshiped a glacier being as a god of the hunt. And also the Bon religion believed that the blood of this god or wild man could be used in mystical ceremonies and he was depicted as an ape-like creature who carries a large stone as a weapon and makes a whistling swoosh sound. Oh. And Bigfoot in America are known Not for making a whistle. The whistle sound, yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. Okay. Um, also that he carries a stone, so uh, like you know, it's an intelligent creature. So it's not if you see a bear, you wouldn't necessarily see a bear with a stone. No. Because a lot of people are saying like these sightings could be a bear, or a wolf, but a bear with a stone. Like they don't even have thumbs. They can't even hold a stone. 
I mean, bears hold things, but yeah, I don't know if they Not in that way. Not like. Right. Totally. So the um, abominable, the abominable, I fucking hate that word. The dude Where that does that come from? It, I'm about to tell you. Okay. Fucking t- also, why are you asking me like I'm an expert? Like, like I'm Google. I was just throwing it out there in the atmosphere and you could have said, I don't know. You're right. You're right. I'm just, I'm sorry. I need to let go. Lead like. I'll see John Hamm on my own one day. Um, so the term abominable snowman was coined by um, this guy named Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard Burry. Such a fucking long name. At what point are you just Wait, like, w- Lieutenant Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Charles? <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard Burry. Uh, yeah, like you okay, got to say the Lieutenant Colonel. Chuck. Yeah. He led the 1921 British Mount Everest Reconnaissance Expedition, which that's actually been a big um, debate nowadays is if people should go up Mount Everest to retrieve bodies, if it's worth it. Mm. The or you know because it's worth the resources. Like, should we pay for that? Because so many times people Oop. die yeah. trying to get these bodies back. So it's like, is it even morally worth it? And I'm like, if you risk your life to go to Mount em- Everest, I mean, I th- that's what happens. I would hate for someone to die taking my body back. Hmm. But anyway, so he was on that um, mission, and he has an account of crossing the Lakpa La at 21,000 feet, which is fucking insane. I When I went to college, we were really high up. It was 7,000 feet, so I'm just trying to think of three times that. Oh, wow, yeah. And, yeah. So he surpassed that? Mm Mm-hmm. So he found footprints that he believed were probably caused by a large loping gray wolf, which in the soft snow formed double tracks rather like those of a barefooted man. Okay, yeah, I've heard this theory before. Yeah, but the guy that they were with said that the tracks were that of the wild men of the snows, and to which they gave the name of Mato Kongmi. And Mato translates to man bear, and Kog Kangmi <laughs> translate as snowman, so like bear snowman, bear man okay. snowman. <laughs> so like, yeah. But this fucking dude, Chuck, just fucks it all up when he does, when he goes home to write this book. So in his Google Translate, right? Yeah, he's he's fucking it up. He's he says they're called like I don't even know, like Mech, which is not a word in the Tibet language or anything. So he just start he just decides to start calling them abominable snowman because he can't fucking get the name right. <laughs> it's like a Kuta Kente no it's Toby moment right there. <laughs> I'm just gonna call you <laughs> abominable. That's funny. Actually, I lied. That's not the one. That's oh. not the way. Okay. Happened. We're going to edit that. <laughs> Definitely going to edit that. Sorry. The use of abominable snowman began when Henry Newman, a longtime contributor to the statesman in Calcutta, writing under the pen name Kim, interviewed the porters of the Everest co- reconnaissance expedition on their return to Darjeeling. Newman mistranslated the word Mito as filthy, substituting the term abominable. So so it was a guy that made a mistake and was trying to cover it up, but it wasn't Chuck. Sorry, it was Henry Newman. Damn. Sorry, Chuck. Tried to shit on Chuck like that. My man, Lieutenant, that's Lieutenant Colonel Charles Newman, right? What's his last name? <laughs> Charles 
Howard Burry. Howard Burry, yeah. Henry Newman was the guy that Henry, came up with yeah. abom- abominable snowman, who I fucking hate because that word fucking sucks. Abominable. It is abominable. But at the same time, you want to say it. Yeah. Because it's much better than filthy. Because filthy just sounds like the filthy, 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 filthy snowman. snowman. <laughs> like, what are you going to do with yeah, that carrot stick it. nose, <laughs> snowman? <laughs> Oh, that's a fit them them buttons. Buttons. <laughs> that's a filthy, filthy snowman there. <laughs> um, or it just sounds like the snow used from like New York City streets. Filthy. Oh yeah, or like when it hasn't snowed in a couple months, but it's, it's frozen to the ground and yeah. it's just gross. Gross, yeah. Oh gosh, that's and it's also snowman. hard. Yeah, that's a like filthy snowman. You would go to, like you go to crunch it with your feet, and it's just like ice. You just step on it. But there are sightings even earlier than 1921 in the Western society. In 1832, James Princep wrote in the Journal of Asiatic Society of Bengal. Um, he published this guy, B.H. Hodgkin's account of his experience in northern Nepal. His local guide spotted a tall bipedal creature covered with long dark hair, which seemed to flee in fear. Hodgkin concluded it was an orangutan. That far north? Exactly. I'm. That would they're, never. They're happen. literally in tropical. They're not. They don't have enough fur to even survive that. Yeah. There's no reason an animal would ever climb up a mountain. I mean, there a reason an animal would climb up a mountain, but, but an animal not that, an that animal that's from the jungle, right? The har- like, yeah. But anyway, but oh, here's a picture of a footprint, which I thought was good. Let me see this. Because I don't know how you would. And this is was found by Michael Ward in 1951 on Everest. Oh, wow. And the way its toes are kind of interesting, too, the way they're kind of curved. Right. And it's not... I don't know how you would make that or, like, how that would be a double track or, you know... Yeah, yeah. Like, it's very, very obviously, like, toes. And the toes are more ape-like than what we see in Bigfoot because they're, like, more curved in like a monkey's toes are or, like, an orangutan. And that space in between the the big toe and the... But it makes sense because he's climbing all the time. Right. So you would need feet like that to climb mountains like that all the time if you're an ape-like creature. Depending on what kind of mountain it is. I mean, but the the Bigfoots of North America are pretty much their feet are like ours in that... And they are known to be in mountainous areas as well. Um, so I think it, I think, and that's what I was, the documentary I was watching, and I never even, like, you know, like the the varying degrees to which, like, should we be calling all of these creatures Bigfoots? Because they're different. They are different. Like the, the, the primate, so-called primate in that's found in Florida, the skunk ape is what they call it. Some say that it's actually shorter with like longer hair and it's got it's more of a monkey like appearance. And then the tracks that are found do have more of that like spaced kind of like hand foot thing to them. Um, and I can see that because, you know, Florida is more of like a jungle like Africa is a swamp, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. So I like mean parts of Africa. So it's like, are we are th- is this like the possibility of like a bunch of missing links on the on the human tree? Um, and we're just that people thought to have went extinct, but haven't gone extinct. Um, I find I find it very interesting. 
I just like that. No, it's super interesting, and especially um, because there's well, especially the Yeti. I feel like they take the Yeti more more seriously than they do Bigfoot. Really? I think so. I feel the opposite. Really? Well, cool. I I just feel it because like well in in the 1950s though there were so many there was like it was like hot well, like it people was very were like yeah. searching for it yeah. actively yeah and I feel like that didn't I mean that takes place now with Bigfoot but I feel like back in the 50s like people were like looking for information about it they're like maybe I don't know maybe I'm just maybe this is like being able to look back at history that way but to me it just seemed like. Because of all this stuff we're going on, like with the I think it the was scalp. the as someone again this documentary that I talked about, and because it, it talks a lot about kind of the history of like Bigfoot, um, and uh, what's it called? Oh, on the trail of Bigfoot, the guy was kind of talking about just, and he was saying really in like I guess Amer- American culture just with like the terms that we they had originally for Bigfoot it was just like all the peop- newspapers really it was initially just like wild man that was like the reports of what we call now Bigfoot or Sasquatch it was like wild man this and then like you know you look through the history and like newspapers have always been looking to sell newspapers so like if you didn't really have a story you would always just like post put something, something about out there just put something, something about sensational some s- oh yeah, sensational um about wild man or but then he said it changed, like, around the, like, early 1920s when, like, they really, or, like, the early 1900s when, like, the discovery of the gorilla, mm-hmm. like, people were actually able to, like, you know, I found a couple of gorillas. And so then people started talking about that more. And I think that, being like, oh, well maybe there is this, like, a creature that's big like a man out there. Um and, like, the idea of, like, being able to find another ape-like creature probably just, you know, only increased that. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, you were saying. Well, you brought up the scalp earlier. Yeah. So, in 1954, the Daily Mail printed an article which described the expedition teams obtaining hair specimens from what was alleged to be a Yeti scalp. The hairs were black and dark brown in color, dim and fox red in the sunlight. The hair was analyzed by Professor Friedrich Wood Jones, an expert in human and comparative anatomy. During the study, the hairs were bleached, cut into sections, and analyzed microscopically. The research consisted of taking micro photographs of the hair and comparing them with hairs from known animals. So he was just like placing them next to other hair samples. So it wasn't like a DNA test because DNA wasn't a thing then. Okay. So I, I don't know. I wonder if he said that they were just like a coarse-haired hooked animal, like you said, like right. not. But I feel like that's not the way to do it. And also like hair I think hair that is kind of how they, so sometimes they can't, I guess, get like um, DNA from it. Yeah, but it's that really been misproven that. that you can match hairs though. Oh, really? And that science has really been um, questioned like they don't use that in murder trials anymore. Um, it's if they, you know, they match someone's hair. It's really not that big a deal anymore. Well, I think because you can match like speech, like you can say, "Oh, this is a human hair." So like, there's no way of being like definitive. Like, but if you don't know the animal, if like the yeti, like if you, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it's not conclusive. I guess you're right because we don't know what kind of hair they have. And also, they like bleached it and cut it, and like I don't know. I just feel like. Well. So you're a hair scientist? Is that what you're telling but me? But also, like, to say that, like, to compare it to an ape and be like, oh, it's not, it's not a, there's, it's not a so Yeti. So it's not, yeah, it's like. But it's not an ape. 
mean, it might be like an ancestor, but like, I, are our hair yeah, like? I guess AP? yeah. If you're I don't comparing know. to like a primate that exists, I'm just well, I just you know since when they were doing all this shit, I was w- I just wish because they also found feces and other shit literally. <laughs> So it's like, right. what if they had a DNA back then? They could have found, they're like, oh, this DNA doesn't match anything. Of course, but would that be c- inconclusive if it doesn't match anything and they can't, or you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, there, there, what w- there was DNA also another, even say anything? Um, with that whole Yeti thing and, and them sampling the scalp, there was the, the guy, because he's a part of like, so there used to be, and like during this whole Yeti Bigfoot thing in like the 50s and you're talking about the united states making rules no the oh. there were these four men known as the four horsemen of sasquatchery of sasquatchery if you will um two of them i believe were a part of like those expeditions in like the 50s to look for uh the yeti um, one of them turned out to um he snuck one of the fingers from one of like the Tibetan monks, he convinced them to like, cause they had like a hand of what was supposed to be a Yeti. He convinced them to give him like one of the fingers and then he snuck it back with, who is it? Uh, who's the guy? James Stewart. Yes. You know the story. It's on the page I'm on right uh, now. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. And he like convinces him to like bring it back. Um, the, cause it was like some, oil tycoon that was like really into yetis so he was like i'll give it to my friend jimmy and then jimmy put it in his wife's luggage and her her like her lingerie luggage oh my gosh and because they were like if we go through british customs they're not going to check it because a british man would never you know check a lady's <laughs> undergarments oh. Um, oh these are a lady's undergarments can't look so there what happened was they went through customs and then her bag wound up getting lost Oh, no. Like, yeah, just the, the lingerie bag. And they're like, shit. And then three days later, the, I guess the British customs called them and, like, had the bag and returned it to them. And Jimmy, like, joked with them. You didn't go in her bag, did you? And he was like, oh, I would never. And then they opened the bag, and the and finger was, was still gone. there. Oh, it was still there? Yeah. I thought you were going to say it was no. gone. It was still there. Yeah, during that time. So that they was found. A lot so the the finger was found. Did they ever do anything with it? Oh yeah. So yeah, they found the finger and they and they tested it and it came back. Or I don't. I don't actually. I don't remember all that. I know they sent it to someone, and all they did was say that it wasn't a human finger. Like, <laughs> like well, it's not a human finger, so we don't know. But that doesn't really say much because it could be a monkey's finger or you know, some other primate's finger. Um, so that, that wasn't helpful. And I don't think it's been tested since, I guess. Huh. Yeah, that's weird. At least I haven't seen anything about it being tested. Well, the United States apparently thought that it was likely enough that they would find it, that they actually had some regulations for how people could, like, search for this thing. And oh, really? There was, like, do. rules and guidelines and all that stuff? Yeah, I don't know what they were, but... Apparently they were things. So that's why I I say that I think it was just taken more um, seriously because these people are traveling so much further and spending so much more money and and things. I just, I don't know. In my opinion, I just feel like the Yeti is more substantial 
two people. I'm not saying it's more real or yeah, but why would they? Why wouldn't someone like be investigating their own their own backyard? That's what I don't understand. Because it's easier to think like, oh, this mystical place in the mountains has a creature that you've never seen before. That's more, and it's also the sense of adventure of traveling to a different land versus, you know, hiking up the back of some Georgia. Which is so funny because America is so freaking huge. Like just North America in general, like this continent is a huge continent. And there is so much that is yet to be explored, even in like the parts where like we think, like, like we think we have explored. That we have explored. Like there's like valleys and gorges that people can never go down, or you know you have to get up the mountain in order to get to the. So like people just they may have been once, but they haven't been back in it. Um, so um, yeah, I just think it's interesting that yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't take the same effort. Because it's also cheaper, you know. Like the money you spend taking explorers and people to a foreign country, and then there's like a place right down the road, and you literally are given the getting the same experience. Um, I think that's like one of the the things that the these guys that are considered the four horsemen in the early days when they were doing the Sasquatch, because I think it was taken a little more seriously at that time as well. Um, but they said later on, like, that's kind of what it was, was like people not taking science, not taking them seriously. Because one of them, I think two of them actually are scientists. One being more of like a, you know, professor or whatever. And like him saying, like, he felt like he missed out on a lot of funding for other things, all because he was like serious about his, his Bigfoot, um, believing in Bigfoot. Um, which is also interesting because these guys are considered like the founders of like what it is to do Bigfoot research um, this day. None of them ever saw Bigfoot wow. in, their, in their lifetime. Like there's only one that's still alive. I think two died around 2001, 2002. Well, why do they stay so dedicated? Because they, for them, and if you watch um, the Odyssey um, documentary, um, it's great um, for them. Because I was going to actually kind of talk about them, but there wasn't enough information. I mean, if you watch the documentary, and I didn't want to, I mean, to be honest, I was being a little lazy. <laughs> I didn't want to have to sit down and, like, so I was hoping I could find something online to, like, be able to transcribe and piece together um, about each and every one of them. But for them, there was enough evidence as far as footprints, as far as hair samples, as far as them being out there, for them to say that this is a creature because um, a lot of them were explorers they were explorers and trackers and like you know they had been out right. there to know which you know they said science said they need like physical evidence and it was like you know physical is something that can be like when I oh and the even for them the the patterson uh, gimlin footage um was enough to be like this is a real creature especially for that time um there were people that would say it would say it was in a suit but it was like that these were two regular guys with no money or budget like to even the cost of like one of the technology just wasn't there or advanced you know makeup artist artistry but but also like yeah, yeah they didn't have, have the Planet money of the apes yeah and that's like the best that, that was the best do. they could <laughs> do at that time so f- to say that it's just like a guy in a suit or 
And then when you are able to slow it down and see it, the muscles, the muscles and the, the fact that they put breast. Because up until that point, people weren't talking about it like male or female, like species. They were just like, we got to find a Bigfoot, <laughs> like the Bigfoot. Like, you know, it was considered like it was almost like one one creature. Um, but yeah, so what else about the Yeti? I don't know. I just started talking there. <laughs> uh. Well, I mean, I don't really have much more interesting stuff. It's like a, it's just really a bunch of stories about ex people going on expeditions and finding footprints or seeing. There's this one guy that saw two figures walking away that were really dark and okay. covered in hair and things like that. Um, what is what is the like status of Bigfoot today? I mean, the Yeti well, today. Well, there's as. April 2019, Indian Army man mountaineering a f- an, an expedition team spotted Yeti footprints. What is, like, the characteristics of, like, the Yeti? Long hair. For like some reason, I thought behavior it was Behavior-wise. Well, yeah. But it's mostly, um, like, dark hair, dark long hair, sometimes basically just very similar to Bigfoot, sometimes reddish-brown so interesting because it's always painted as like this white and bluish gray creature. Right, and I think that's kind of like a um, Western society making it, romanticizing it in our weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I think I did hear a story about like someone saw one that was that color. There's actually reports in America of like them being and people saying that they may be like the signs of like an old Bigfoot um, of oh them being like grayish, like almost like the same color of like a gray wolf, and like kind of that gray salt and pepper um, look to them. Um, so maybe that's what they saw. They just saw uh, like an aged, an aged yeti, if you will, and yeah. all the young ones, you know. Sure. Haven't lost that melanin. I, <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know if you keep melanin in your. Is that what keeps your hair color, melanin? Yes. Oh, well, okay. melanin, you, I don't know about hair, but skin, so. That's interesting. I think it's I think it's interesting, and then uh, this is my segue, um, <laughs> that you, I was just, I can't find words right now. I think it's interesting that Getty and if you look at just any sort of Sasquatch in any region, like how they differ, um, just as far as like people talk about them as, you know, in one area being this description, but if you if you go like the Northwest, you know, they're, they're kind of described a lot bigger. Um, they're also a little more passive and like really trying to avoid people. But then you go to places like in the South and they're like, this thing was throwing rocks at our, at our, um, at our base camp the whole night and like making calls and like seems really aggressive. Um, also, Probably you know, trying to get you out of, get you out some of areas they're like, yeah, some areas they're like, oh, it was, it was, it was like six feet tall, but it was like really stocky and like really hairy. And then some are like, I could s- see his whole face. Um, so I do find it interesting if they're like. If there are Bigfoot and they're in each region has its own like special, you know, like a dog or people and they do differ and they, there's like different, there's a diversity in the, in the Bigfoot world. 
I um so I was going to do research on that and like talk about specifically like what Bigfoots are like down here in the south in parts of like Georgia and Florida and Texas and Louisiana and Arkansas and South Carolina and North Carolina and Oklahoma. Is Oklahoma in the south? Not on the map, but if you it's go to Oklahoma, it feels like the South, and they have like Southern the South, accents. Yeah, like and um, but Bible, Bible, I, Bible. I stumbled across this. I stumbled across two stories, and it kind of plays into like kind of the behavior-wise, like what people talk about when they're interaction with Bigfoot. Either like they're just trying to avoid people altogether, um, um, or they're like you know nice or or they're like these aggressive kind of creatures that are, um, so there are two stories and they're like, and I find them interesting. They kind of took place around the same time and like around the same area. One takes place in Canada, but the other one's in like North Washington. But these are like really interesting stories and when they come about. Um, so the first one um, is like one of the most interesting um, was about it's called the, let me find it again. So this is called the, the, the Otsman story, Otsman Bigfoot story. So this um, story is, um, was told by a man named um, Albert Otsman. He was a Scandinavian man um, who was living in Canada at the time, around 1924. Um, now, his story is that he was held hostage for three days by, by a Bigfoot? Bigfoot, big oh not just a Bigfoot, but a Bigfoot family. Oh, nice. Um, so. This is a good one. Yeah. Wait, what year again? This is 1924. Okay. Um, so as he tells it, um, and I might do a little bit of a paraphrasing here. That's good. Um, as he tells it, um, he was he was a lumberjack by trade, and but he was doing some other work. Sounds and hot. He decided that he wanted to do on his like his time off to do some like um, gold prospecting, if you will, in Toba Inlet. It's a uh, situated in British Columbia coast. Okay, so this yeah, guy. So Albert. Nineteen twenty whatever. Yeah. It's 1924. Um, he's a Scandinavian guy living in British Columbia. Um, Ooh, how tall is he? Is he hot? I have no Scandinavian idea. Scandinavian sounds hot. Um, Does he look like John Hamm? This is what he looks like at the time of sometime. Um, well, that's, that's not as a he's hot He's much man. older in that picture. Um, but so he decided he was going to um, do some, some gold mining on his days off. And he had this... Um, Native American man take him um, to like kind of an offsite to like go mining. Um, like he just told him because he wasn't, I guess he wasn't new there. I don't know. So the Native American guy was telling him about, oh yeah, there was another guy that used to come into town, was like a miner, and he would come in, spend all his gold, and then go out and get some more and then come back. And then one day he came back. Or he went and then never came back. And we think the, Sas the Sasquatch got him. And then he was like, what's the Sasquatch? And he was like, oh, it's like this creature that lives in the mountains. And it 
he was like like a like a grill. He's like, no, it's like a hairy man. Um, but we kind of don't, you know, we let it be. Let it be. Yeah. And um, he like, well, that's weird. I don't believe in that. So <laughs> whatever. I'm so gonna get me some gold. Yeah, he's out there. Nineteen twenty-four. Uh, he's been out there for about three days, and he every time he goes out to look for gold and comes back to his base camp at the end of the night, it seems like someone's been in his camp. And he's like, "All right, this is weird." So like the third night, he's like, well, "Like what's like things are just moved around." Yeah, it kind of. Uh, I didn't see like goes. In. It just specifics. says that yeah that every time he he just it seemed like someone was in. So he decides, it, he says he's gonna wait up. And see, but then he winds up falling asleep, obviously. No, obviously. You didn't know that. Um, he winds up falling asleep. He says, while he's asleep, suddenly a Sasquatch picked him up and carried him off. And he was, like, wrapped in a sleeping bag. So, it just kind of threw him horrifying. off his shoulder. Yeah, and he said he was carried for roughly what he felt was three hours. Um, after which he was put down and greeted by a family of four Sasquatch, one of which was an adult male, was about eight feet tall. And he said this of the initial encounter. They look like a family, old man, old lady, and two young ones, a boy and a girl. The boy and the girl seemed to be scared of me. The old lady did not seem too pleased about what the old man dragged home, but the old man was waving his arms and telling them all what he had in mind. They all left me then. They all left me then. That that sounded weird to say that. Um, so yeah, in that initial count, he said like it seemed like they had their own language. Um, and they what were like would be the motivation of stealing him? Talking. So he says he had his gun with him and he kept it close, um, but because they didn't make a move to harm him, he chose not to do anything. Yeah, because I mean back then guns aren't that efficient so you kind of yeah. have really one shot or two shots before you run off like right so there's really no probably had like a shotgun or something yeah. yeah there's really no use to use it at that moment and he said while he was in captivity they fed him sweet grass sweet tasting grass which they washed stacked and then gave to him he was given to him by the female sasquatch he made many detailed observations which he later recounted re later recounted including his efforts to befriend the young male sasquatch in order to get the larger male interested in the snuff he had on his person. He planned to make the adult male eat an entire box of snuff with the intention to kill him in order to make his escape. In his account, Otsman also made note of a briefly entertained idea to take the young female with him whenever he finally got away. Ew. Though he ultimately decided against it. Good, in that's Otsman's gross. words, but what good would that have been? I would have, I would have to keep her in a cage for public display. I don't think we have any right to force our way on of life on other people, and I don't think they would like it. Um, the noise and racket in a modern city, they would not like that any more than I do. So it's interesting that he's talk referring to them like they are, again, a people. He still had that impulse to take her, to though. To take, yeah. Um, oh, and I said three days, but after six days, possibly because he suspected he was about to be used for breeding purposes... <laughs> Though this is merely speculation, <laughs> he's decided to finally make his like escape, and um, um, and he was able to carry out the snuff plan um with the adult male, and made him like groggy enough that he was able to like pick his stuff up and and run. 
and he eventually, after he escaped, he eventually came up on um, some loggers, and he didn't mention anything about the Sasquatch family. Um, instead, he said, I told them I was a, spro- a prospector and was lost. I did not like to tell them I had been kidnapped by a Sasquatch, as if I had told them they would probably have said, he is crazy. True. Which is very true. Um, so, yeah, he didn't tell this story. This happened in 1924. He didn't come out um, and tell the story until 1957. Now you're mm. like, why is that significant? Because that is when the famous Bigfoot footprint was first discovered. Mm. Which so he's like, there's some proof, so now I can tell the so story. So now he was like, I didn't think people would believe me. Now this person's out there saying, I've seen this creature with this Bigfoot, and they're leaving footprints, and he finally takes so. Um, so he goes public. He kept it to himself for, what was that, three decades? Mm-hmm. And he decides to go to public after he sees the stories appearing in the press. Of course, most people didn't believe the story, and they still don't now. For example, there's Joe Nickel is a skeptic in 2007 said that it was more likely the result of imagination than a recollection recollection. John Napier is a primatologist claimed that the story was simply not possible because an entire family of Sasquatch would not have the resources to survive in that particular area as the food source would be too limited. And then other people have criticized Otsman because of the amount of time it took him to come forward. Though for me, that makes it more credible. If yeah, which for me, yeah, it does make it more credible to be like, this happened to me. I just didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to seem like a crazy person. Which I think is completely and valid. And if you think about it in the 19, like, 50s, so... Well, that's when the Yeti, all the Yeti stuff was going on, too. So it was, like, it was out there. So like remember the, 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 four, the four horsemen of, of I was telling you about? So one of them, John Green, um, actually interviewed him. And these guys, you know, again, um, and he actually thought him to be a pretty credible um, guy. Um, But he did say um, that if someone had given the statement today, that he probably wouldn't believe them. And that was in like 2003. He said, Albert was a very believable fellow who handled um, tough cross-examination with cheerful composure, swore to his story without hesitation, and stuck to it until he died but I wouldn't believe him if he were feeling were telling it today. Today, however, he would have easy sources for his description of those four individuals and what they mm. did. When his story came out to light in 1957, the opposite was the case. So, yeah, you have to think, like, a lot of people hadn't even heard of Bigfoot Sasquatch right. um, up until that time. Um, and there still wasn't, wasn't a, a clear... phenomenon. Yeah, and there still wasn't a clear, like, description of what... Because there were there were again there were so many like back in like it from was like still mythical which I mean it's mythical in the now, 1800s there were some people that described the the wild man as like all hairy there were some that would be like oh it's just like a Native American with like really long hair and like okay. that was that didn't bathe or something wow so, um, so there's just some racists out there well um, well there was this thing of like um, some Native cultures that you know. It was like, you know, becoming a man process where you, like, had to go out in the wilderness and, like, live by yourself for, like, a certain amount of time. So some people thought that, like, it was just, like, people running into these Native Americans during their, like, ritual ceremony of becoming men. Because um, they were also taking hallucinogenic 
hallucinogenic drugs, you know, to become one, one with True. that. Um, so, anyway. So, yeah, he said Sasquatch are not commonly thought of as completely hairy um, back at that time. Instead, their public image was that of a tribe of giant giants, hairy only on their heads, who lived in villages, held annual get-togethers on, on a special mountain, and used signal fires. His descriptions, so contrary to the media image of this time, have stood up wonderfully well over the years. More than that, he was questioned for hours by Darius Swindler and the veterinarians from the Seattle Primate Center, and they told me that the physical details and the actions he said he had witnessed are all rang true. Um, um, in addition to that, which I was saying earlier, um, Osman, and then this is more in detail of the, the conversation he had with the native guy. He said this old Indian man was very talkative. Uh, he told me stories about gold brought out by a white man from the lost mines. Um, the white man was a very heavy drinker and spent a lot of his money freely in the saloons. And but he always would just go back and get more gold. Um, but then one time he went out and he never came back. And some people say the Sasquatch killed him. And at the time I had never heard of Sasquatch, so I asked what kind of animal he called a Sasquatch. And the Indian said they have hair all over their bodies, but they are not animals. They are people, big people living in the mountains. My uncle saw the tracks of one. They were two feet long. One old Indian saw one over eight feet tall. I told the Indian I did not believe their old fable tales of mountain giants. It might have been some thousands of years ago, but not today. Um, so even after that, and he, <coughs> he still stuck to the story un until his death. And he was even like interrogated by, um, by the police, the Canadian police. And he had to sign a solemn declaration um, of his account saying that it was under oath, that it was true of the Canadian Evidence Act. And he never recanted his story. But it's it's also like today it's seen as one of the most credible, at least in the Bigfoot world. I just can't wrap my head around why a Sasquatch would kidnap someone. Like what I the reason would be. I don't know either. But I, I found that to be interesting of just like a characteristics and behavior that just don't seem like you're like, that seems odd. Um, and I was really looking for like more detail of. Of the actual six days of what the happened. Six days and what the, they looked like. I couldn't find it. Um, this was the one was the most in detail because it told a little bit of before and after and like. Well, the yeah, you'd think there'd be a transcript if, like, someone's interviewing him. Why wouldn't they write down everything yeah. he said? And there um, must be somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, but yeah, it just it. I was like, what? What would make a Bigfoot take a person? But there, I mean, there are those other stories of, I guess, people saying that they were kidnapped by a Sasquatch, or you know, people coming up missing, and that being a thing that possibly. Bigfoot took them, took them. Um, but I also stumbled across this other story because um, you have here this Bigfoot kidnaps him, but then they're like feeding him and, you know, kind of taking care of him in a weird way. So there's like this like nurturingness of them of like, I don't know I thought I find that interesting. Um, but then you have this story um, um, known as the Ape Canyon attack. Uh, 
Yeah. So this one takes place in, again, 1924. What? Um, the same a little year. Yeah, a little further south down in um, uh, Washington State. Um, these these guys. I wonder what was going on in 1924. Like if there was some like big Bigfoot like event like that was controlled, you know, happening to all Bigfoot. So like this is like what Great Depression era era kind of situation. I don't know. So um, I'm just wondering like if our events have affected them in that way to where like if they're like attacking people, kidnapping people, because there's not a lot of like a Bigfoot attack stories or Bigfoot like. I'm sure people aren't living to tell those stories. This is true. I mean, you do but have it like the attacks like most where of them it's just like seem like they just want to go away or want you to go so away. So this, this, the this is, so Ape Canyon is a gorge and on Mount St. Helen, and it's which called is Ape Canyon. Yeah, and we've well had story, and you've told me stories about Mount St. Helen before. Yes, so it got its name because of this story that I'm about to tell. Okay. Um, I don't know what it was called before that. It doesn't say, but it got the name Ape Canyon, which is another part of that mountainside which is called ape cave obviously for so there were i want to say four guys um i think again miners um who were in this area um mining and one of them fred beck um he claimed that he had shot one of these bigfoots he claimed he shot one of these Bigfoots, like, great. He saw them, like, they were over by a riverside or something like that, something by some water, and he shot a Bigfoot, like, he saw the Bigfoot, like, a hairy creature, and, like, stood upright and, like, kind of went behind a tree and, like, peeked his head out, and he, like, decided to shoot at it, and he said he thought he shot it, but, like, it, I think he just he grazed, grazed it, it and then it, it took off, and then another one, like, kind of appeared from a top of a part of like a cliff or canyon or whatever so he turned and shot that one and it fell down into the gorge oh shit and he was like at that point him and the guys were like okay let's get out of here because you know because we're surrounded by bigfoot yeah we're surrounded by bigfoot and we don't you never see more than one yeah which is interesting about the accounts you're telling today yeah so I want to get, yeah, he said it was in the middle of July. And uh, so they were all spooked out by this and decided, uh, let's just go back to our camp. Um, And they were staying like this cabin um, in the canyon, on the side of the canyon. And like, let's just stay tonight and then we'll get the fuck out of here because that was weird. And they all slept with their guns. And I wouldn't be able to sleep at all. Yeah, that night they start hearing like these things like a bunch of them outside <coughs> of the thing and they're like banging on the door there's no windows to this place so like they're just banging and they're like they can hear things being thrown on the roof and like and so they start they're literally just like shooting from inside the place is um, there pictures of the place like in with no, bullet holes no, and shit no no they're, they're actually it doesn't um, they found the site again they where they think that the cabin once was, but, you know, the mountain did explode, so mm-hmm. I think it was, like, destroyed during that time. I don't know. Um, but, so, yeah, essentially for the entire night, they're just being harassed and, like, this 
things being thrown, things being banged. Um, wow. And they s- they would only shoot when it, the thing would attack, and then they would stop when it stopped, hoping that they realized like we we don't shoot, we won't shoot if you leave us alone. So eventually, it it continued for the rain and light, um, with short intervals of no sounds, and then, and then oh this part. Attacks continued the remainder of the night with only short intervals in between. A most profound and frightening experience occurred when one of the creatures, being close to the cabin, reached an arm through the chinking space and seized one of the axes by the handle. A much written about incident and a true one. Before the thing could pull the axe out, I swiftly turned the head of the axe upright so that it caught on the logs. And at the same time, Hank shot barely missed my hand the creature let go and i pulled the handle back in and put the axe in a safe place so this thing actually like got into it because it's just made of like wood so it got into one of the like the 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 spaces in between oh my god that's so horrifying i know um and he said a humorous thing i remember well so it's funny because they all swore not to tell anybody of this. Um, but as soon as they get back in town, he immediately goes <laughs> and tells, like, the newspaper about what happened. Um, so he said, a humorous thing I, I well remember was Hank singing, if you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone, and we'll all go home in the morning. <laughs> he did not mean it to be humorous, for Hank was dead serious and sang under the impression that the mountain devils, that they c- that's what they kept calling them, mountain devils, um, might understand and go away. Um, and then the attacks ended just before daylight, and as soon as they were sure light enough to see, we came cautiously out of the cabin. Um, that would be and then he said, oh it was God. when they came out, he saw the ape-like creature standing about eight yards away near the edge of Ape Canyon. And then I shot three times, and it toppled over the cliff down into the gorge some 400 feet below. And then they got out of there, that would be the fucking shittiest hike back. Like you're just constantly looking over your shoulder. Oh, so it wasn't. Um, that was my mistake. It wasn't um, Frank that or Fred that told the story. It was actually Hank, the guy that was singing that song. He told everybody not to tell anyone what happened, and they agreed. But then Hank decided to let the cat out the bag. He wanted to be the first one to tell. Yeah. Because as soon as they went back to Spirit Lake. Um, Hank went to the ranger station and told the ranger about what happened. Um, and that's how the story got out. Um, and then the newspaper came, and then everyone wanted to know, you know, was it true? Or was it just a wild tale? And he was like, it is true. And then they want to know, are they human? Are they animals? Are they devils? Um, and then... He later on in life, I don't know when he wrote this. So he winds up writing like a 22-page booklet um, telling this account. And this is where it gets interesting about this guy, um, Fred Beck. Because it's told by Fred Beck. um, It's called I Fought the Ape Man of Mount St. Helen, Washington. Um, And his son um, is the person that wrote it. He wrote it in 1967. Um, So this is, again, remember this happened in 1924. his son is taking his account of doing this. Yeah, so as told by Fred, but written by his son, Ronald. Um, So he tells that whole story. um, And I don't know how many chapters, but it's a 22-page booklet. And then the second chapter 
kind of talks about just like the Yeti and like just the different ape men and kind of giving some other stuff and then the Indian legends about this thing and then chapter three gets interesting about this which leads into another part of Bigfoot theories that people talk about um in the first so he starts he says in the first chapter I told you about the attack and now I want to go into the background and tell you a little concerning our activities they will be colorful and from the and from them emerge a spiritual and metaphysical understanding of the case okay first of all i hope this book does not discourage too much about interested souls who are looking and trying to solve the mysteries of the abominable snowman so he's still referring to it oh the abominable snowman i think is more popular as far as terms than bigfoot um, if someone captured one, I would have to swallow most of the content of this book, for I am about to make a bold statement. No one will ever capture one. No one will oh. ever kill one. In other words, present to the world a, l- a living one in a cage, or present to the world a living one in a cage, or find a dead body of one to be examined by science. I know there are stories that some have been captured but got away, so they, so will they always get away. I say this in confidence by the evidence of my experiences, things that I have not re- before revealed to the public, and I also say it from the knowledge gained on the subject later. In this book, I will reveal thoroughly what I know to be them to be. First of all, I will say that they are not entirely of this world. What? I know the reaction we experienced as these beings attacked our cabin impressed many with the concept of great ape-like men dwelling in the mountains. I can say that we genuinely fought and were quite fearful, and we were glad to get out of the mountains. But I was, for one, always conscious that they were de- that we were dealing with supernatural beings, and I know the other members of the party felt the same. The events leading up to the ape, up to the ape episode, we were filled with f- psychic elements. What? Right? Wait. Okay, because the psychic thing is... Yeah, the events leading up to the ape episode were filled with psychic elements. Since a young man, I have always been clairvoyant. When just a boy, I was in the pasture playing with my bean shooter. I had bought with me some long-earned coins. It had a twisted wire handle. I lost it, and as I was crying, a kindly woman came up to me and put her arms around me. I felt warm all over. Little boy, she said, don't cry. Go home. You will find your bean shooter there. I went home and found it, and as far as I knew, then it was the same one. But years later, I found the lost one. It was weather-beaten, and the rubber was rotten. I would be sleeping on the hard benches of the Adventist church my folks used to attend, and I would have my head in a lady's lap. Only when I mentioned it to my folks, they said there was no one else there, and it took, and it, and they took it to be a boy's misusing, a boy's musings. As I grew older, I saw visions, and eventually I was holding spiritual meetings. After 1924, I spent many years in the healing work. Our time spent in Mount St. Helen was serious, was a series of psychic experiences. The method we found our mind was psychic. I am mentioning these facts to help build a background of understanding in a case which has been wholly explained in material sense. As I will explain the mysterious realities of the abominable snowmen, so must I show some of my inner experiences, for in my mind the two have always been closely connected together, and as I will show, 
these beings bear a direct association with the psychic realm. Wow. And it goes on and on. Um, well, wh- how? What was his specific ex- psychic experience? Um, hang on, I gotta look for it. And he's the one that said, "We'll both go, like, just leave us alone, and we'll go home in the morning." No, no that was his friend Hank. This okay. is Fred. So this Fred, is Fred, Fred is the guy that didn't want them to tell anything about it. Um, so let me see. This is like, of course, this is the longest chapter. Okay, so he says. In 1922, they found the location of their mine. When they found the location of the mine, so this is two years prior, a spiritual being, a large Indian dressed in buckskin, appeared to us and talked to us. He was the picture of stateliness itself. He never told us his name, but we always called him the Great Spirit. He replied once, the Great Spirit is above me. We are all of the Great Spirit. If we listen when the Great Spirit talks, hallelujah, won't he do it? Um, <laughs> um, there was another spiritual being which appeared to us more in the role of a comforting friend, and we learned her name. One of our party suggested later that we name our mine after her, and so the mining claim we later filed bore her last name, which I didn't find out. The big Indian being told us there would be a white arrow go before us. Another man who was not present during the attack in 1924 could see the arrow easily and clearly at all times, and I could see it nearly as well. So they start down the Lewis River, and um, they follow that white arrow for four days. And Hank, again, Hank is showing up again. Uh, he was growing short in his temper, and even though he believed in like spiritual things, he was losing his temper because he was. They hadn't found anything. They were supposed to be leading them, and then. Just when he started to calm down, they saw the arrow soar up high, change directions, and swoop down. And we had to follow the arrow in a general direction before we could find it again. It hovered near the top of the north cliff of Ape Canyon. And that was the site where we later blasted out our shaft. So. So no wonder these fucking Bigfoots are so pissed off. I'm going to scroll down. It says another, a couple, another ex- couple experiences that showed some light of the evidence of the psychic nature of the abominable snowman. The same thudding, hollow, thumping noise we heard at night preceding the attack we also had heard in broad daylight, although not nearly as loud. I don't know why that would be spiritual, spiritual, but one of our party was a little irritated with me. On our excursion, he usually led the way, and I followed a little behind the others. We kept hearing that sound and occasionally turned around and would say, what's that? After six or eight times of him doing this and after a few general discussions about the noise, he quickly turned around. One more time and eyed me and said, by golly, boys, if it's not Fred making that noise, by golly, boys, it's not Fred making that noise after all. But he decided to give it a double check. He made an excuse and wandered away from camp. When he came back, he said, now I'm certain it's none of us. I walked for half an hour and everywhere I went, I heard it. Sounds like there's a hollow drum in the earth somewhere and something is hitting it. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that these like beings, shit. yeah, these beings were present and observing us, but they had not yet appeared in physical form. Oh, so that's like a so argument for the right. ma- dematerialization. So, and then he said another striking experience, um, which shows that they cannot be natural beings with natural bodies. It was before we made our cabin, and we were staying in a tent. Then, the tent was below a little cone-shaped mountain called Pumi Pumi Boot, but Boot. Mm. A little. Is it B U T T E? Yeah. Butte. How you know? 
a little creek flowed nearby and there was a moist sandbar in an acre uh an acre in area we would go there and wash our cooking utensils she led us to the moist sandbar and took us almost to the center hank did um there in the center of the sandbar were two huge tracks about four inches deep there was not another track on the sandbar okay they were standing in the middle of the sandbar and not one of us could conceive any earthly thing taking steps 160 feet long oh so it's just like random tracks it's a set of tracks just in the middle of the sandbar and no other direction um no human being could have made these tracks hank said and there's only one way they could make could be made somebody something dropping from the sky and went back up so wow i mean he's going there yeah he's like this is like Like, that realm yeah this is like the round that we talk about, but this, I thought this was like something of recent and clearly this has been going yeah, on is, since. Yeah. This has been a thing. This has been a thing since like the 1920s. Or well, the you know, that story I told you about the psychic who thought she was communicating with Bigfoot. That yeah. was the sixties too. I mean, was this it? is taking but he 20s, was but yeah. he's telling the story in the sixties. He is telling the story in his sixties. Um, and then he said there was no third step. This is certainly another indication of what I'm saying about manifestation. I had heard it said that many ages ago, the Rocky Mountain and Cascade Mountain ranges were a center of great civilization. I do, I do not, I do think the mountain areas are extra sensitive to spiritual vibrations, usually of higher order, but something sometimes lower. We ourselves, being extra sensitive to spiritual vibrations, probably had come into contact with the manifestation of these beings easier than perhaps the average person would have is i just yeah so then he he says some more other shit about it but i just found like i was just i thought the story in itself was interesting interesting of just like these guys going and being attacked and then when i found out that he wrote a booklet on it and i started reading it and i was like holy shit (laughs) no this guy and it's like again, encapsulating this every single like facet right. of Bigfoot, like of all the different all types. the different different types of like it like being like a stories. F- he's like, I know we talk about it like it's a physical thing, but then he's like, I'm, I think it to be more, and it spoke to me. I don't think he ever said it spoke to him, but it definitely had some. The way he talks about spirituality, though, is a lot of like how I kind of see it. Not that there's some people that just have powers, but that there's this deeper meaning to the world and that some people are more sensitive to it Mm. and just more open to it. Yeah. Not saying this is, you know, true or anything, but I'm just, that's just how I see spirituality. No, yeah, I I can agree with that. So, I mean, maybe Bigfoot, Bigfoot, feet, Bigfoots are just the ultimate spiritual being yeah they just are so attuned to the beat of the drum of nature of earth of and earth. this universe mm-hmm. so to speak maybe and then there are people that are also in tune with their they are in tune so therefore or at least they they're on the same frequency maybe they're not like actively tuning in but yeah like they can get there um but they don't realize it maybe that's why uh man i hope to be in tune I'm trying to be in tune with the universe. I want to see a big take some shrooms. <sighs> but, then the like, but then it's like, but then it's like, is it is am I in tune or is this a hallucination? I don't want to be. Or is this opening a my third eye? Exactly. 
opening you up for the universe. Yeah. I felt like that Saturday when I saw John Hamm. You know what? Now <laughs> you're just rubbing it in. I am rubbing it in. Rawr. I was I was healing. I was healing. Well. Well, thank burn, you. Those baby. are some really interesting. So yeah, stories. that's that's kind of what I I yeah I I came across. Um, and I don't know how he ends this or resolves this. Um, well, yeah, and it seems like the the Yeti. I feel like there's not as many encounters that are so close as with Bigfoot. Yeti encounters seem to take place from like way far away, or like right. they see it or they see tracks. But it see, but Bigfoot is so much closer than that. So it is interesting that people w- are so much more willing to ex- you know explore the possibility right. of a Yeti. So. Can I actually just read this part? Cause no. He I'm going to read it anyway. So he does have a chapter four where it's called questions and answers. And Q&A. he asks, yeah, he says, what is the purpose of this book? <laughs> Answer, to set the record straight, the incident of 1924 needs explaining that people can see it in fact. I was involved in it. I am 78 now and wish to put the facts before the people. I have never earned one cent from my experiences, and this is the first time I have written anything on the subject. Question. Can you tell us, tell of any colorful experiences you had on your trips to Mount St. Helens? Yes, but I cannot remember everything. That was over 40 years ago. Um, And then he says, question. How come you don't use all the names of the people in the story? And he says, I try and keep family harmony. I'd shout the truth from the housetops, but some people are sensitive about their past experiences when confronted with their present circumstances, which is very true. That's true. I wonder how many of us have some seen po- Bigfoot, and then we've talked ourselves out yeah, of it. Somebody who's in that, maybe like whoever he was with was like a doctor now. I was like, I'm credible now. I don't want to be involved in your... Or just in denial. Or like just in denial, yeah. Like, oh, we, it was a bear. We were attacked by wolves, or like there wasn't some spiritual thing going on. Um, another question he asked was, what purpose could abominable snowmen have for existing? How can they fit in the plan, plan of everything? His answer to that is sometimes the question is asked about all life and more particularly about life other than human. When we speak of purpose, we usually think of ourselves. Mm. I think the main purpose lies in the beings themselves. They are a part of life, though different than we know life to be by our five senses. I believe their main purpose is their desire to rise up higher and be something better. If this is the case, then their life can be identified with the general progression of all life. I am convinced by my own experiences that many accounts I have heard from others that they are very curious creatures. I think if we had not shot at them, they would have left us alone. I think it possible that the curiosity is an instinct or a search for a higher consciousness, possibly foreshadowing their coming into human um, coaciousness in another life of cycle of life. He's still putting human beings above... Yeah. Bigfoot, though. My advice to anyone who happens to see one is to be calm and walk away, if on foot. Offer no threat of force, and I'm convinced no harm will come to you. And said, do you think the blasting had anything to do with them attacking you? No, but it made them curious. Our mistake was shooting them. Could you explain what by what you mean, what you mean by search for consciousness? Aren't they co- conscious or something? And he said, all life has some order of consciousness. Someone might call the snowman a delayed race. 
awaiting for the highest expression of consciousness. That is the human consciousness. So yes, he does put, they seem to be curious about human beings more than anything else, and I think it possible at time passes they will manifest farther, farther and farther away from the mountain ranges, which has been their natural attractive habitat. And the time may come when there you hear stories from cities of people seeing strange hairy-like creatures. This is a distinct possibility. Just four days ago, I received a letter from a friend from Seattle, Washington, and in it she told me of a lady who had just recently seen an abominable snowman right on the outskirts of Yakima, Washington. And as the letter said, it was in our near... It was in or near her yard. And then he, oh, do you think people will see them in great numbers like they see flying saucers? <laughs> and do you wish to say anything about flying saucers? I doubt very much that we will be seen by tens of thousands of people like flying saucers. This is not a book about flying saucers. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say the nature of flying saucers is very high and lofty, and their purpose is important to us. The purpose of the abominable snowman does not fit the aims of the life of purpose in the degree as what would what the world calls UFOs. Oh, and then, yeah, how many eight men did, by, did you remember seeing? And he said, I saw six that he could count. Uh, he answers a lot of questions here. But anyway, that was it. That was really interesting. Did you like that one? Yeah, I did. Because it was a little bit of everything. It was, it, yeah, I, I thought that one, I was like, oh, this is a juicy one. Because I was just going to tell the story about the Ottsman. I was like, and then I found that one. And I was like, oh even better <laughs> i like it that was good and i just i also find it very interesting yeah that each of these men i guess he kind of he told his story um but only after the other guy ran and told it and then he like and the they both did around like the 50s and 60s when they like actually like broke it down. yeah broke it down for everybody and he was 78 when he's telling the story so yeah and you know, delusion is, I don't know, people th can say, oh, they were deluded, but delusion isn't usually so put together. You Unless know it's I mean? a very vivid delusion. I guess. I don't know. I mean, there are people that... I don't like the way he talks about them wanting to be human, because I've, I don't see Bigfoot that way. I don't see them as a, um, as like a, l a, a lower than us. I see them as just well, different. That's like evolving to be a different type of creature. That's humans like ego. We like are the top. We are the, we're when the we ultimate. Put when, we, when we put ourselves as God or God-like or like, you know, when we have that thought and belief that we have dominion over the earth. That's from like a religious perspective. Right. Um, it was funny because I was I saw this snippet of Kirk Franklin, gospel artist. He was talking about, especially, uh, he was like, why he hates um, religion so much. And he was like, it's because it is, religion is so much of um, man putting their constructs on God mm. and what he, like, yeah. it's like man's, like, I, like, as opposed to, like, what God, like, what God actually is, you know, it's like. These are the rules, and God is for this, and God is against this. And it's like, really, it's it's you just projecting your own thoughts and beliefs, not necessarily what something else is. Um, to even the idea of, like, being made in God's image. <laughs> like, this almighty being is 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. Because that's, that's immediately thinking that you're that God is like you and that He wants and you he are God. More of Which himself. I mean, here I'm. I like the idea of being like one with God. God is in me. I'm, but like, if you think about it, like in a totality, like of the entire universe, like that's powerful. Sure. But like it's again, projecting like you're like, I'm made in God's image, but yet you're just thinking about God being like you as opposed to you being like God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like I'm perfect the way I am because I'm like God, like, because, and like in like a, Ego. I know what you're saying. I can't right, explain it, it again. I, yeah. I get what you're saying. You explained it perfectly. Yes, I understand. But yeah. So. I'm done. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. Yeah. There's more about Yeti, but I did not do enough research, so. <laughs> you did all the research necessary. This podcast was for me. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's your time to shine. Um, look at oh, never mind. I'm not gonna sing that. that now you have to sing it. Mm, nah. Sing it. Look, listen, and learn. I'm gonna say this only once. Okay, I don't want to hear this anymore. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> nope. You started. Walking out of your shadow, I can show the world that I'm. Oh, All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I wanna live on it's really with the brass band. So look Next I'm week we'll be talking about the occult and why God isn't real. I'm kidding. Oh, you can make that argument, and I'm gonna debate you. Can I be? Can I? Can you be Ben Shapiro? No. Oh, can you be um? Who's that guy? The atheist guy. All the dot, all right dot, people dot. love him. Dot, dot, dot. Is his name Adam? I don't remember. That's an ironic name for an atheist. Anyway. It is. That is an ironic name for an atheist. I just thought about that. Um, We can we can stop at any point. I've already said goodbye. Gaylord would be a good name for an atheist. Gaylord? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I'm tired. Oh, okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for so much. That's it. Please like and review, or not like, but leave us a review on iTunes, even if you hated us. Just kidding. If you hate us, do not leave a review. Please leave Only me a like review. Tell us, tell me how to be better. I like give us five stars and then tell us how to be better. Yeah. Bye. Bye.